is Get Lively with Bailey Friedman and Will Finch. This podcast is brought to you by The Technique, our on-campus newspaper, as well as WREK Radio, who have partnered with us to bring tech students quality entertainment and the freshest, dankest news. Bailey, it's good to be back. I know I haven't been here for... Oh, just a few podcasts now, but uh, it's been a it's been a few weeks since we've even recorded. We had a few technical difficulties on the podcast end. Right, right. But well, we're back. Back to normal. Back and rolling with a maybe a bit delayed issue, but something I still wanted to talk about. Okay. Nonetheless, because I think it's important, and I think tech students and tech alumni and tech as an institution has a really big role in the conversation that's been taking place recently about climate change and particularly the youth climate strikes that have taken place in the last few weeks, Mm. the climate summit that happened at the end of September. And also we have a new building on campus that kind of contributes to this greater conversation of what we are doing to impact positive change Mm -hmm. on the world and that conversation. So yeah, what are what are your hot takes on this whole issue? I know that, like, of course, I believe in climate change, right? Yeah. And, of course, like, we need to be doing something about it. But I think part of my mentality is, like, climate change is just, like, one of those, if not one of the biggest issues that I think humanity is being confronted with mm-hmm. over the consequences of its own actions and, like, its history on the planet. And if you think about problems as large as climate change in the past that we've ever had to address or succeedingly solved, like, we don't have like a good track record of that. Right? Because, I mean, we haven't really had a problem this big on such like a mass scale. Yeah. And so I definitely am like, we need to be doing everything we can, but it's almost like, you know, we're the people in that group project that really want to make sure that we get an A, whereas, you know, people in our government, even entire countries like China, I mm-hmm. believe, they're those students that are like, mm, why don't you guys just go ahead and take care of everything? Right. And as a result, the rest of the group suffers. Yeah. And so what do you do? What do you do when you have to have such mass, such a massive movement in order to solve such a wide-scale problem that we know what we need to do, but I don't know if we really know how to do it. Yeah. And so there's a lot of ambiguity around, like, what to do. And so I think that it's really great that it's getting a lot more attention, but there's still just, like, this side of me that's like, I just don't know if we're going to do it. Yeah. I don't know if we're going to do it. And, yeah, that's me. I I really like your analogy about the group project because that's something that I think about a lot. I guess when issues come up or conversations like this come up about climate strikes and climate change and personal responsibilities because sometimes I become doubtful that my actions will have the impact that I hope that they will mm-hmm. if they're being almost undermined by the inaction that the greater population is taking right. if that makes sense. And you, know, you could draw the same parallel to like even I know people draw the same parallel to voting. Yeah. How they say, well, why should I vote if somebody is just going to vote the opposite of what I do? It negates it. Right. And like, obviously, that's not a productive mindset to have because if everybody has that mindset, then nothing nothing happens. Yeah, nothing would happen. But sometimes it's hard to get out of that rabbit hole when it calls for lifestyle changes and Mm -hmm. 
more awareness and sometimes a little bit more effort, not much more effort, but sometimes it's like, oh, I don't know if this plastic fork is able to be recycled, so I'm just going to not take the time to look it up and just throw it away. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah. Even though my roommate did tell me that they cannot be recycled, so don't throw your plastic utensils in the recycling bin. Uh-huh. Some of them can be composted, but they can't be recycled. And she told me that if you, a fun fact for you all listening, but if you put plastics or other non-recyclable items in the recycling bin, then it contaminates that entire yeah, no, yeah, you're yeah. not supposed to put stuff that isn't recyclable in yeah. recycling bins. So, like, one plastic fork in the recycling bin would mean that that whole bin full of recycled goods would just have to be taken to a landfill. So, it, like... Yikes. Yeah. I'm sorry I got off on that tangent, <laughs> but we literally had this conversation, like, two days ago, and so it's been on my mind. My roommate also was interviewed by The Technique because she took yes. place in the climate strikes were those only youth climate strikes or were those like just anybody in atlanta could go i'm pretty sure it was part of the youth climate strikes but i don't know that it was exclusively youth in attendance Mm, yeah that is something that i could check with her on but yeah she's also really big in sustainability organizations on campus and students for change and things like that and that's another interesting part of like the new era is that all of those separate sustainability kind of either organizations or branches of whatever community, I think those are going to just start becoming more inherent in the more regular organizations that I think would come to mind. It's not going to become its own standalone thing Mm -hmm. because it's just, you know, it's just so important now, which is good. And I think like if you don't know where to start something like that, like just taking the effort to be a little bit more yeah, just conscious. recycle. Yeah, recycle or just something so small can impact like such a large change if so many people do it. Yeah. So like something that I'm I've recently decided to do is cut out all dairy and Really? Yeah, anything that's like red meat, anything uh, yeah. of that nature from my diet because I know I've mentioned this a lot in technique meetings, but I took a class last semester at Georgia Tech that was a serve learn sustain class and it was climate policy would recommend if you're pretty into like the economic side of things it's very interesting but one of the things that we talked about in that class was the carbon footprint that you create just by the food that you eat and how Mm. reducing your red meat intake would reduce your carbon footprint substantially interesting yeah so or even i think is it true that even if you just buy local that's Mm. that's a lot better than if you i don't know bought your meat from walmart or something like that yeah because then you're putting into something local but then also i'm sure a local farm isn't producing nearly as much right you know and a huge carbon as any other as like a big farm exactly yeah and a huge thing about it is like the transportation emissions that come from having to right yeah transport things especially if they have to be kept in like cooler conditions or something like that like one of the examples Sorry that I keep getting off on such a tangent. These are such nuanced little <laughs> things. But one of the examples she gave us was that buying and eating asparagus is worse for the environment than like eating something like poultry because of the way it has to be refrigerated and kept in this cold environment. And so mm. the shipment and the process to ship it produces more emissions in the process too. Well, I never liked asparagus anyway. Yeah, I know. I was like, oh, great. (laughs) (laughs) Like I needed more of an excuse to not eat it. Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, okay. So just a fun fact, if you're looking for little ways, don't eat asparagus. But it's just climate change 
is one of those things that's hard to kind of think about or talk about, not just because like, you know, of course you're going to be like, well, we need to do something, but it's like, what can we do? All those little things, those are great. But going back to my, I don't know, I guess pessimistic mentality Mm -hmm. is I, I would almost compare an issue as large as climate change as like trying to imagine what the number of billion looks like, you know, a hundred, maybe you can kind of visualize a thousand, I don't know, a million, maybe what that's like a briefcase full of a hundred dollar bills. But then once you start to get to like a billion, it's like, well, how would I be able to count that much? Yeah. And so I know that that also stops a lot of people from thinking that they can actually do anything. But I think you just have to kind of ignore that and just think, you know, recycling this thing or not buying asparagus. I think mm-hmm. that'll be good in the long run. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's interesting. It seems like such a huge problem and almost like this monster that I personally don't know how to go about yeah. addressing it. And yeah, I think it can be really scary, but I think that's a good segue into one of the things I wanted to talk about is Georgia Tech's role. We published a consensus a few weeks ago that talked a little bit about the Living Building and Georgia Tech as an institution's role in addressing climate change. But I'm a little bit more interested in Georgia Tech as an institution that is training and educating young individuals, especially in the light of all of these youth climate strikes. And Greta, is it Thurnberg? Greta Thurnberg, I think. I can never remember how to pronounce that her last name. That sounds right. Yeah, Greta Thurnberg's climate summit speech and things like that where we're seeing a lot more youth activists. And obviously some of us are now entering into the world of young adults and we're not 16, but still right. we're a part of this generation where I think the effects of climate change are going to be more of a burden on us, but then also the efforts to mitigate it are also going to be a burden on us. Mm. And so there's a lot of responsibility and I think that Georgia Tech, as this leading institution of young engineers and young scientifically minded individuals and people who are not only scientifically minded and problem solvers and critical thinkers, but also I would argue being in a metropolitan city, being in a really fast paced, fast growing city, like we're also very socially aware. Mm hmm. Plus, we have a big airport, right? Yeah. So we can send out that kind of information yeah. basically anywhere. Right. Atlanta, it's growing and it's a major city. And we have this advantage being in this major STEM institution in the middle of a city that has so much like social context around it, if that makes sense. Especially in the South, I think. Right. Yeah. Atlanta kind of has been a beacon for the South. Yeah. And so when we set an example, I think the rest of the the rest of the region follows. And mm-hmm. this is the region that has been struggling the most with coming to the terms of, of climate change. Yeah. Right before we came on to record this podcast, Will and I watched a video about the living building, which just opened about a week ago. And one of the things that they were saying in the video from 2018 was that this building is kind of like an example for the rest of the world to follow, mm-hmm. which especially the rest of the Southeast, which I think is really awesome. But I also really appreciate the example that it sets for students, for young engineers or young anything. Professionals. Professionals, yeah. That, I mean, I'm not going to be an engineer, but I am very yeah. interested in like being a teacher and just the way that like we can take this awareness about climate change that Georgia Tech is providing us with and spread that into whichever career path we take and whichever almost like world we step into after we leave Georgia Tech. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, definitely. Because... Like, I think that the, 
you know, even just having the living building here now, it's like now we've proven that these types of solutions are possible and you can create solutions that actually are carbon positive, I think is what this living building is. And so it actually, um, what does it do? Take in carbon and helps the environment out that way. So like the fact that these kind of solutions exist mean that like engineers can start to implement these types of new processes. They can start to do more in that regard, which I think is probably one of the biggest impacts on the climate is a lot of these technologies that we have. And so if technology moving forward can start to be a lot like the living building, then I think that Georgia Tech students are in a good environment to start learning how to address climate change than nearly any be- than nearly any other uh, college student out there. Yeah. I think something, this is just a wild idea, but something that I would really like to see implemented by Georgia Tech is almost like a graduation prerequisite as like a serve, learn, sustain class. And like, oh, yeah. I feel like that would be really cool because we have so many cool SLS classes and they fit into so many different frameworks. Like you don't have to be a sustainable cities minor, but I mean, we have an ethics requirement. I'm yeah. like, I almost Which like, is kind of bogus in terms yeah. of like the way that it's met. Yeah. You can meet an ethics requirement and not really know about the ethics of what you're doing. Right. And I feel like also having that like serve, learn, sustain requirement. This is something that if it happens, it probably won't happen for many years. But I feel like with this curriculum, Georgia Tech should really take advantage of it. I mean, it exists here. Yeah. And so many students have the opportunity to grow in that regards or not grow but expand their knowledge i would say in that regards because of the curriculum like that class that i was talking about the climate policy class that professor has worked in climate change research and climate economics and climate policy for years and years and years and has so much such this like vast expanse of knowledge where i learned so much just from sitting in the class and i feel like that is useful to every single student and sometimes it like our SLS program might get a little bit brushed under the rug and I would like to see it be more in our faces almost because I think that there's a lot to be learned from that. And even if we just go back to like the little things that people could do, I mean like if nothing else, it taught me not to eat asparagus anymore. Yeah, so right. I'm better off. <laughs> but yeah, I think Georgia Tech is in a really unique position just to like summarize what I've already said, but in a unique position because like you said of the location in Atlanta but also because of the researchers and the faculty we have here and also because of the students and the fact that we are at this really... That's a really cool intersection of all these things that creates this perfect environment to raise this new incoming generation of everything from scientists to engineers to future teachers like yourself. I mean, and we even have like a public policy program that's, you know, like these things are really starting to be built into the curriculum there Mm -hmm. yeah and i think that we i mean something that georgia tech always says is like creating the next Mm -hmm. and talks about like sending their students and their alumni out to impact change on the world and i think that we now need to take that responsibility of making sure that that change is environmentally aware yeah exactly Mm -hmm. not everybody has to be on the same exact page on how to address climate change but that awareness that something should be done to mitigate this crisis. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It needs to be seen what happens. Yeah. I'm excited by it. I'm excited. I don't know actually if excited is the right word, but I'm encouraged by 
the small steps that mm-hmm. I see being taken, the large steps like the living building, and what I think all of those could mean for the future, especially like going back to all the student organizations that we see popping up mm-hmm. and the fact that more students are taking ownership of this issue and really looking for ways. That's true. Yeah. It's encouraging and I feel proud to be, if nothing else, a part of a student body that cares. Cares and yeah. definitely cares a lot more than I think the average person. Absolutely. Yeah. If you are a Georgia Tech student and looking for more ways to get involved with issues such as this, there are several campus organizations, like some of the few some of the ones that I mentioned earlier. Um, Students for Sustainability or, you know, all of those. All of those I, other ones. I don't have a list of the names right here. I'm sure they're very important. Just They are. You could find you know. them on OrgSync, I'm pretty sure. <laughs> but um, there's also a bunch of SLS classes, and the SLS office is on the second floor of the Colk, right by the Starbucks. So pretty easy to find. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. Is it, I guess, just right behind it? Is that next to the OIT or I guess OIT yeah. moved, didn't they? Yeah, to the it's next building? to the OIT, or like what used to be the OIT, also in the Center for Academic Success, the same uh, office space, yeah. I see. So, you know, if you're interested in getting involved... It's on your way anyway. It's right there. Um, most of us step through the Colk on a day-to-day basis. But, yeah, there you go. There you go. Cool. Here it is. Take All it. Right. And remember, don't eat asparagus. Definitely not. That's the big takeaway from this. Mm-hmm. Follow okay. Will's example. Will and Bailey's example. <laughs> and don't eat asparagus. What other vegetables can we get out of eating due uh, to climate change? That I don't know. But if you are going to eat Just vegetables. Just assume all of them. Assume all of them. Unless they're locally sourced. Yeah. Find some So peaches veggies. here in Atlanta. Peaches. Or um, <clears throat> bring back the farmer's market. Or Oh, uh, yeah. Didn't that happen this week? Uh, uh, yeah. They did have some of the little market shops up this week. I didn't see any, like, produce stands. Mm. They used to have produce stands. My roommate and I... uh, So much for trying to, um, you know, encourage healthy habits, healthy eating habits, right? Yeah. I think that was, for listeners at home, that was the mentality that I think whoever is running the farmer's market, I think that is, that was their mentality for not inviting back a lot of the, a lot of the stands. And I, I could be wrong, but I walked through and I was like, wait, where's the produce? Because I used to get like my apples yeah. and like my fruit there every week when I was a freshman. So guess we just have that, to go to another farmer's market. Yep. There's one in Piedmont Park. That one's really good. Yeah, it is really good. I'm a, I'm a fan of it. All right. Well, those are your top tips from Bailey and Will. Tune in next time for our top tips <laughs> on how to dress for... Success. Success <laughs> in all this new, nice, cold, colder weather. Oh, yeah. It's, it's sweater a, weather now. It is. I've worn a sweater every single day this week, and I'm pretty figured, stoked about yeah. it. Yeah. Well, that's all, folks. Mm-hmm. We don't know how to end this podcast, <laughs> and so we're just going to keep talking <laughs> until one of us starts to read the these last few credits. Here we go. We don't have an issue out this week, but check out our latest issue published Friday, October 4th, and keep an eye out for our upcoming issue on Friday the 18th. Cool. And you can tune in next week to this podcast for some more fresh, dank news. And remember, if you have opinions about current events, let us know by tweeting us at NeekPod or emailing us at podcast at neek.net. 
If you're interested in writing for The Technique or sending a letter to the editor, email us at opinions at neek.net. To support The Technique, pick up a fresh copy of our newspaper every Friday and tune in to Rec Radio at 91.1 FM. To hear more news, tune in on Mondays at 6 p.m. for Battleground. Thanks for listening. And we'll see you next time. See you next time.